Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Okay, so you might be wondering why are these beautiful looking people positioned up here in chairs? Today is a special Sunday. We call it Five for Five. The opportunity to hear from different perspectives. Let me speak to two reasons why this is important. First, you might have noticed uh, I haven't been up here preaching for a little bit. I, I, I try to take intentionally some time in the summer to bring in different voices because one, I value different voices, but the other part is going, just so you know, our heart, Lee and I, is longevity. Like we want to lead the church and, and do it well to the end. And so we want to be thinking marathon, not sprint. And in these seasons that other people are speaking, and Lee can attest to it, I'm reading like crazy. Because I'm trying to go, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you, what are you leading us into in this fall? Where are we going? And so this has been a, a huge gift for me. Next week, I'm back in and I get to preach. And uh, I, just warning, might be a tiny bit passionate that Sunday. Just saying. Um, but also, we value different voices. As a church, we are built not on the gifts of a couple people with microphones only. We have a team of people that sacrifice and that work behind the scenes and do bring what they have to, to, to build who we are as collective church. We're one of those churches that we have high expectations of our people. And what we love is that people continue to rise to that occasion. And so the people that we have up here are people that are important to us and that we, we believe would bring value to each of us. In fact, we spend time with all of them and we're often going, man, that is, is so rich and, and it's the, the maturity that we experience. And so we want to bring that before us as a church, as a whole. And so we're excited for five for five. We're excited for each person up here. Anyone in the room going, this idea of holding a mic and standing in front of a group of people is their nightmare. Okay? (laughs) Right? I, I get it. I get it. And so let's be responsive. And if you hear something that someone says and you go, that's stuck with me, you know what you could do? Tell them. It's really interesting afterwards, instead of going like, they probably know, or you could be the one that lets them know. And so we're really excited. Can we give them a round of applause? And then wait, can we give Lee an even bigger round of applause? You hear me? Okay, there we go. Um, it's great to be here. It's great to see you all again. Last week we were away. We were at the beach celebrating baptisms, which was incredible. Um, but we're glad to be back, and we're jumping back into our series, um, Extraordinary, Embracing Ancient Wisdom in Proverbs. Um, so today we're going to be looking at Proverbs 16.3, Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Um, which is a great one. And I think Five for Fives are one of my favorite. I love these Sundays. I love hearing different voices in our church. 
Um, I think God speaks and works differently through each of us. And so it's so powerful hearing people's stories and testimonies of how God is working in their lives. So like Tyler said, um, if something sticks out to you today, like encourage the people up here because I know what it's like. I'm an introvert and this is hard, um, but it's awesome. And I think it's stepping into these moments and sharing what God is doing in our life. So yeah, I'll begin with, I'll open up in prayer and then we can introduce ourselves. Um, So God, thank you so much for each of these people here. We are so grateful for them and just the way that you've designed each of them so differently and so beautifully and each for um, a purpose. And so I just pray, God, that you would be here with each of us And we just give you all the glory today. We can't wait to hear from each of these people. God, we love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, why don't we begin if you guys each want to introduce yourselves and maybe um, what team or how you're involved at Collective. We'll start with you. Okay, I'll go first. I'm Rhonda Nordham. Um, We've been coming to Collective for about two years now. Um, My husband, Daniel, and I are co-group leaders and lead the Rooted co-group, which is an amazing um, program. If you have not done it, I'm going to give a little plug since they gave me a microphone. Come join Rooted with us this fall. It is an amazing, amazing program. Um, We are proud parents to four children who go here and serve here, and we love Collective Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Phoebe. Um, I've been coming to Collective since uh, early 2020, so coming up on two years. Um, I have the honor of being a part of the prayer team, which, as many of you know, we're normally gathered in the corner (laughs) away from everyone, so it's definitely different being in front of everyone, but nonetheless, I'm super excited to get a chance to speak this morning. Hi, my name is Yeah, we're there. We go. We help each other. (laughs) My name is Kate Kessel, and um, I'm also on the prayer team. I think I've been we've been coming for three years. I think, yeah. And uh, I'm a proud mom of two daughters, Faith and Esther, both uh, serving here in the music and the tech and the kids' church. And uh, yeah. We live very close to here. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, no, you got one. Uh, good morning. My name's uh, Kevin Kazmarzik. Uh, my wife and I uh, started coming here in late November of last year. Um, I'm also on the prayer team, which is truly an honor. And uh, to serve God in that way, to speak on your behalf if need be. And... Uh, this fall, another plug for co-groups. My wife and I will be leading one for the first time. So please, if you're questioning, ask. Yes, it's awesome experience. We uh, still riding a high from last yesterday. Our daughter got married here. So our youngest. So, and we have two older kids too. So yes, it's just a, a great privilege to be up here and to uh, talk, talk in front of you. Awesome. We love each of you guys. Yes. Um, okay, so Kevin, maybe we'll start with you. Um, what does Pro- Proverbs 16.3 mean to you? It really definitely speaks to me. Um, committing my everything to God. Um, it's like taking an oath 
Um, everything in my life at that point is getting changed around. Um, I just, uh, when I became a Christian, it was a different experience, uh, total turnaround in my life. Um, it was more of a struggle in our marriage that happened and to find God and to turn around and give everything to him, all my struggles and all my cares, to put him first and seek his counsel to rebuild my marriage and my family. So it's, it definitely speaks to my heart. It's incredible. Um, Yeah, that means the first word that came to my mind and heart was, it's everything. Um, Fortunately, I got born again when I was 19. That's a long time ago, and I'm not telling you how long. <laughs> Thank God. I just finished first year university, and uh, yeah, it, for me, it was life or death. Okay, I won't go into the details, but uh, meeting God, uh, was in Toronto, and it was a praise and worship. It was really cool. But anyway, this, uh, when I got born again, I, I made an agreement with God. This is me. I have a conversation before him. And I said, okay, the only, the only way I'm giving my life to you, this is kind of important for the plan, is uh, you got to be my friend. you got to be the best friend I ever had. And uh, I want to know where you've been, where you've gone, which is, I actually went literally to where you went. It's interesting. And I said, I want to know, it was really, I, I, I really, as a, I said, I don't want to know how you feel. I want to know, I really want to know you. So that's how I got born again. And so... The plan, it's amazing, because, you know, when you commit to the Lord, you work your plan. Um, I took that uh, very seriously, very 180%. So he, he, um, he led me in very unusual ways, which were exciting, they were dramatic and uh, awesome. And I won't go into that, because those are the next questions. <laughs> but it yes. means everything to me, and even, even today, you need, it's a daily thing, too. Not huge, but it's daily. Um, I have another, and I, I, con- I kind of confess, it's another one where you commit your works to the Lord and he causes your thoughts to become agreeable to his will because your thinking ends up directing you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're speaking. So I, I confess this uh, almost daily. Uh, so anyways, I'm getting off into the other questions. So anyway, there we go. That's awesome. Um, when I was thinking about this verse, I think it's just really like trusting the lordship um, of the Lord over your life. And so right when I read the verse, I immediately thought of Isaiah 55. And I love that verse because in Isaiah, it talks about how um, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so it's through having an understanding of that verse that I can then view through a lens the verse in Proverbs about how committing your ways to the Lord and he will make your path straight. So I say, okay, Lord, like if I know that your ways are better, if I know that you have a higher perspective over my life, like you can see the end from the beginning, Mm -hmm. then I'm trusting that you know better over my life. And I think the second thing that I thought of is um, that love is not passive, right? I feel like we can all agree that in our relationships with one another and the Lord, that we do things out of love. Um, there's an action that's with love, right? And so even like the Lord says in his word, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. 
And so it's out of a place of love that we actually surrender these areas to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had to ask myself in certain areas where I don't want to surrender, like it's a heart issue, right? And a heart issue is a love issue. So I've had to ask the Lord, like, okay, in these certain areas that are harder to surrender, like, why is that? And so that's just something that I, I ponder when I read that verse. Um, so when I read this verse I sort of break it down into three parts and I brought my notes so just bear with me Um, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed so the first part is commit so wholeheartedly all in devoted I think about when I committed to my marriage like there's no turning back this is it steamrolling ahead, um, not sort of overpowering, but in, in the best and most gracious and good way. Um, I'm not sort of willy-nilly, like, if, if I like what you're doing, Lord, then I'm, I'm in. But if I don't like where we're going, then I'm going to fall back to my own ways. When we commit, I'm committed no matter what. So all these, all these paths that you want to take me down, I'm committed to that. I'm committed to doing what you want me to do. I'm committing to going where you want me to go. I'm committing to having those conversations you want me to have. Um, and, and sometimes people in this verse, I think, get uh, it flipped around. Like, we want God's will to be our will. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm going to commit my actions and then you're going to make my plans succeed. And that's not really what it says. It says, commit your actions to the Lord. So, Lord, and I love that you touched, Phoebe, on Proverbs um, 3, 6, which says, um, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And so I don't want to go on my own path. I want to go on the path that God has ordained for me, right? He has set a plan in motion for each one of us, and that's the plan that's right for us. And so we need to stay on that course. And then that whole part about um, our plans succeeding. And so we live in a world that is driven by success. And a worldview of success is fame and money and power and prestige. And none of that matters to God. Jesus was not any of those things. The, The Bible actually says that there was nothing that would draw you to him except for who he is and who he is, his love and and grace and mercy every day. And so God's success doesn't always look like our world's success. And so I always tell people, my house is not the neatest or cleanest house, but it is the most welcoming. You are always welcome. All of you, come on over. Um, Welcome in our home because really it's about the people. And so um, I think that we sometimes need to reevaluate what we're calling success. That's so good. It's that's a hard perspective shift. I feel like sometimes because, yeah, we see the world especially through social media now and and what we think our lives should look like, versus when we're reading scripture, what God has designed our life to look like, right? And those can look very different. And so, it's yeah, we constantly I think have to change our perspective in that. Um, Okay, Rhonda, maybe we'll start with you again for this next question. How have you learned to discover what God is asking you to do? So lots of ways. One, um, I always go back to when I was in youth group, um, the pastor at the time, Kevin Bagley, um, said, hey, what are you expecting from God tonight? And I was like, uh came for the people and the music. I, we're going to McDonald's after. That's really what I'm doing here. Um, and so, but it really stuck with me. Like, 
what am I doing here? What, uh, what do I expect from God? And so not just when I come to a service, but when I read my Bible, do I read my Bible expecting to hear from God? Mm-hmm. When I am in worship, whether that be songs or prayer or supplication, like, am I there actually to meet with God? Am I there actually to hear from God? And in my daily life, am I looking for him? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to share a little story. So uh, one of the times this whole committing our actions to the Lord, a while back, my husband and I were praying about whether we should go to Peru to help build a school. We're both teachers, and so that's a lovely uh, connection to our heart's desire. Um, And so, but we have four kids, and at the time we had one income. I had just started working. And so should we commit this money for the two of us to go to Peru and and do this thing. And so um, we committed to praying and reading the Bible. And and Daniel said to me, like, do you, so do you have a sense that God wants us to go? Like, I'm really excited about this. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm actually going to need a sign. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a lot of money and we have the kids and we could do something as a family. And so I, I just don't, I don't hear a word from him yet. Literally the next day, because this is how God loves me and knows that I'm the worst, probably in terms of doubting and needing a sign. And I'm, I'm like Thomas, I'm going to need to look at the hands, right? Um, and so literally, we're driving on a country road to go visit my um, brother-in-law and sister-in-law in a direction that we would never normally take to go see them. And in the middle of a farmer's field, I'm not even kidding you, there is a sign that says, go to Peru. Not even kidding you. And so, like, I just, I was like, stop the car. (laughs) Seriously, God? Okay, we'll go to Peru. Like, sometimes, even though I say I'm, I'm always watching, I'm always looking, sometimes the Lord knows that I actually need a giant sign in a farmer's field. That's for no one. Like, literally, who is seeing this sign, go to Peru? It's on an old country road. Go to Peru. So I just think, wow. watch for him, wait for him, be expectant that he will speak to you. That's such a great story. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I almost incredible. forgot the question. <laughs> um, okay, hearing from God. So um, I won't give the whole story, but um, in 2020, at the or I guess it was July, um, I gave my life back to the Lord, and I kind of had my back turned on him for the last seven years. And so when I got newly saved, I had this Bible that my parents had given to me. And it's funny because in it, it was 2011. And I literally did not really open the Bible until 2020. And my life would have been a lot different if I did. And so I just had this commitment to the Lord, like, okay, I'm going to like make up for lost time. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to read your word. And I had a time that I set aside for my quiet time. And you know, I'm not saying this to come off like I have like the perfect, you know, quiet time with the Lord, but like 8.30 every night, I was like, okay, 8.30 from when I fall to bed, 10.30 or whatever, I'm just going to pray, read the word, and get to know the Lord. And it was in that quiet time every single day that God like radically changed my life. He changed everything from um, just my whole life like radically changed. And it was in those quiet times with the Lord, like praying and worshiping and seeking him that he spoke to me. And I never had that before because I never had an intimate relationship with him. And so, um, yeah, it was in those moments where he gave me words about like the future and just guidance in life, direction and stuff. 
And so I would just encourage you, um, if there's an area where you are wanting to hear from the Lord, just know that he is always speaking. And he speaks to us in so many different ways, whether it's through Tyler and Lee on a Sunday, if it's through the worship team, um, through, you know, the word, through worship, like just everything. But we have to be open to that. Mm -hmm. And so once I had changed my heart posture to just be open to what the Lord was Mm -hmm. saying, I just realized that like we don't serve a mute God. (laughs) He's not up in heaven just with like his mouth like zipped closed, like he wants to speak to us. Um, But part of the Christian walk and having an intimacy with him is that we're open to what he's going to tell us. So, yeah. So just to piggyback off of that, and uh, it's true, you, you spend time with them. When I was first born again, I was radical. So I was, after work, <laughs> yeah, I would read the Bible all night, all evening, and my parents thought I'd lost my mind. Actually, I got my mind. You know, I was losing it before. And uh, I had to walk home from work. Uh, this is out in the country, and I walked maybe, I don't know, four miles or whatever. But I would pray, and uh, at that time I was filled with the Spirit, and I could pray in the Spirit and in English too, but I would pray all the way. So I had no teaching. Uh, There wasn't a local church where I could go to, but I took the Bible literally. I just want to tell you this one. It's kind of fun. Uh, (laughs) I read that you're to visit the widows and that. So there was this lady in town, a widow, and um, so I'd go visit her, and I would try and knit with her. I do not know how to, I don't not knit very well, but I would go sit with her, you know, just, I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. But anyway, um, after I'd paid off my OSAP, this just took six months, but anyways, then uh, I, it was so easy to hear from him. And I think uh, part of that is it like an inward witness. I just knew that I knew that I was to go to Toronto. I had contacts and all that, but uh, what what comes with hearing is such a peace and a joy and not, not understanding because, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do or work, but that comes later. But that is really a knowing is that <clears throat> kind of green light or that I just knew. And, uh, and, and then there's moments where it actually means life or death because I wouldn't be sitting here today if I hadn't heard God. Um, this is rolling forward. Um, after we were married, uh, my husband and I were married, and God led me in that situation, and that's a whole story. But we um, came in from outside. We'd been, this is kind of odd. We were raking leaves all day, and we came in, and all of a sudden, I got a real unction or whatever. I just turned around and said, we need to get out of the house. <laughs> and I was really tired because I didn't know I was pregnant with faith. And so we just need to get out of the house to get fresh air. And it didn't make any sense. <clears throat> and he was looking at, in those days, it was a penny saver. That's why he, <laughs> and he knew I wanted a sewing machine. So he sees the sewing machine. And he goes, let's go look at this. And we get in the car and go. And I thought, really? I really don't care. And so I was thinking, I am so tired. We went and looked at it. I don't want it. I don't care. I'm tired. I want to go back home. But just the time it took for us to go out and come back, we came uh, to our front door. This is the house we're in. And... Um, Tried to open the front. We opened the front door. That's right. And as soon as the oxygen came and air came in, it was an explosion. And it's only because we live so close. One more minute, the firemen said our house would have blown up. Anyways, anyways, it had meant for our. So it can mean life or death. I mean to listen, but it is God is speaking, and He's He He speaks through many different avenues. He has spoken through me to me through children. 
I've gotten a word through a child. It just was amazing. Um, yeah, God will, he, he's always talking to us. But to be sensitive is that relationship, to spend time with him and take that time and th- to read his word. And uh, so you can discern it's his voice. For me, um, when I changed my life around, we were attending a church, and I have a heart to serve. Um, if you don't know me, you can ask me, and I will always say yes. It wasn't until the last four years my wife learned, learned the word no. Um, but our church was looking for a Sunday school teacher, and I told my wife, and she said, Really? And I said, yes. And for me, it was a way for me to get closer to God. Give me a reason to dig in deeper. I'm not a great reader. So for me to sit down and read the Bible was a, is tough still today, even though I want to. Um, so, But yes, God will speak to me many different ways. Um, through children, it's amazing. They, they say the darndest things <laughs> even when you're not and that's the whole thing you've got to be ready to hear God's word because if you're not you're not going to hear it. it's going to go right by you and then be three years later going oh yeah but um, I don't have any really big stories where God put a sign out um, in the middle of a field uh, for me it's more like whispers um, and that's where a lot of us struggle is taking that time to slow down our lives to hear the whisper. Because God's not going to yell at you. Because he loves us. And he loves me. And he wants me to slow down and put time in my day to hear him. Um, So, yeah. It's taking that time. It's putting that obedience into committing to him to read, to pray, and the pause. Yeah. I love even just hearing the different ways and stories God speaks to us. Because, yeah, it's in a lot of different ways in our lives. And whether it's a billboard in a field or, you know, even, Kate, what you were saying, sometimes it's in hindsight that we can look back on a situation and see how God was going before us and directing us, right? And in a life or death situation even, that's incredible. Um, All right, our next question is, how have you seen this truth, so the truth of Proverbs 16.3, play out in your own life? Kevin, do we want to start with you? It's kind of the same I've question. I've lost track of questions. We're on three, right? Are we on three? We're okay. on three. Okay. okay. I've kind of already answered, like, it's spending time with them. I have my own notes because my brain wanders a lot. Um, and that's where I struggle to pause and listen. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I'll just read it word for word. <laughs> I find when I'm spending time daily with God, I can get through the day easier. But when I don't, it seems that everything has gone wrong and will become an uphill battle. 
is because in those days I didn't receive my instructions for the day from God. And at the end of my struggling day, I turned to prayer, reading, and listening. Um, and uh, our family went through a tough time with our youngest. And that's when we realized how much prayer really works. And uh, she was going through, she was raised in faith. She read, she journaled, she loved God. And then in an instant, she turned her back, walked away. And then prayers were answered. She turned around. And we were able to celebrate a wonderful wedding yesterday. That's right. I can't go on. Okay, yeah. So how it's played out in my life, committing, I think maybe the first, okay, there I got so many, but anyways, the first one is, uh, well, even, okay, when I got born again, then um, I was in uh, um, university. I was in there for social work. Anyways, I was taking all psychology, sociology, and all this kind of stuff as a non-Christian I was reading the Bible, and I was writing all my papers <laughs> based on that, and it was an interesting year, and had to meet with the professors. But anyway, so at the end, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, I did. And, you know, I, I should tell this professor, I'm really young, so I, I, he, he said, I won't mark this paper. I said, well, why not? He said, we just pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> it was all about God, and, the earth, and, and he kept it. I don't know. And I wasn't a Christian yet. But I was defending it because I was trying to, I was, and never mind. Anyway, so I got saved. <laughs> then, um, and then I said to the Lord, I got accepted. Anyways, I was, there was a special, I can get an BA, MA in social work in three years. And I'd like to do that. So, but then after I got saved, I thought, I don't know. I didn't have a good feeling about it. But I still felt I should go and apply. There's only 50 people that get in. Well, I didn't really want to get in, but I sensed I should go through an through application, and I learned later why. So <laughs> I went in, this is McMaster, and I didn't really care. So <laughs> when I went in, I told them everything I thought, because <clears throat> I was born again now. So I told them their whole system was wrong. <laughs> I really did. I really did. I said, no, no. I said, you're just giving a Band-Aid. There's no way. I said, you got to tell them about God. you got to tell them about Jesus. This is the only way. And I had a Bible called The Way at that time. That's back in the 60s, no, 70s. I don't want to go too far back. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, it came. they wanted me. That I got accepted, and they wanted me. So that put me in dilemma, and I went, oh. Anyways, as I, and that's good to hear God because, okay, all oh, the details are funny. But I, I was in the hospital. I had to get my nose fixed. <laughs> I was in the hospital for a week. Um, because of a childhood injury. Anyway, so my parents said it's time to get it fixed. So anyway, I was in there. I took time to pray and everything, and I didn't get that green light, but I thought, well, I got accepted. Does that mean you have to go? And I didn't feel good about it. So I just said, because I'm a new believer, and I, I, I just said, Lord, send somebody in here who doesn't like social workers, <laughs> something like that. And a nurse came in. This, does, this is not normal. 
Nurse came in, sat down, and started talking to me. Didn't give me anything. And she talked about an experience or something, but it was negative towards this. I mean, I'm not saying social work is bad, okay? This is not saying that's bad, all right. <laughs> okay. But, however, for me, and actually it wouldn't have been good for me at all. But anyways, so that confirmed it. And then I asked the Lord for a blessing from my dad, whom I didn't really have a relationship with, that much, but he came to pick me up, and I got in the in the vehicle, and I turned to him. I said, "I said, um, and they're very strong getting your education." And I said, "You know, I don't think I should go back. I really, I have to say, I said, I believe what I want to learn, what I want to know, and my dad's not saved." And I said, "God is going to take me on this journey, and He's going to teach me in another way." And my dad, whom, well, let's just say I always thought I was pretty strange and different. <laughs> Although I, I, he loved me anyway. But anyways, so he actually gave me the blessing on that. And that was the biggest one because I, I was very strongly brought up, you honor your parents. And that was very strong to have that blessing that I knew that I knew it was okay. And that was the, the, the green light. And then... Uh, to not go back. And then God took me on a journey after that. And why he let me go through that process was so important. See, sometimes you got to follow the Lord. Not, I think like Proverbs 3, you trust the Lord with all your heart, lead not to your understanding because our mind will, you know, trying to figure it out. Later on down the road, I was actually, well, let's just say uh, what's attacked or whatever you want to call it, but criticized Oh, you're just doing this or that because you're a failure. You, were, you failed in university. And I went, oh, no, I didn't. You know. So in other words, having been accepted, that was good for me to know that I made a choice. And with God, it was. And he, he knew that I needed that. And uh, so that's, it's just things are, it, it's just following God. And then another example, I mean, I have so many, but... I'm here in London only because of God, because I didn't want to come here. So I'll just put it really quick. And uh, I met and married my husband here. And that was really cool because I didn't want to come. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to leave. I was in Israel. And, uh, but God was working on me. And, uh, and I showed me who my husband, and I didn't want to meet him. And so it's also, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, but I followed the Lord. And uh, yeah, I knew when I met him. Like it was, and it's so funny. I can't explain the spiritual experience, but I committed that to the Lord though. I really did. I, I did not want to marry anyone, live anywhere, or even go to church anywhere unless the Lord said that's where you're to go. And it's not like I kind of wanted it. Like it, it's not to my understanding a lot of it, but then it's, uh, it's work, you know, it works out. But God knows what's best for me even better than I do. I think that's, how it's played out. I think I'm going to go next just because I want to piggyback off that. Um, so part of my story is, so I got saved when I was eight years old. The Lord um, was very good to me. Um, I got saved in a time when my family was very broken. I come from a very um, toxic home life where people don't communicate well. Um, people are unreliable. And... Um, very early learned that I needed to rely on myself. So good that God showed up when I was eight so that I knew that there was a heavenly father that I could rely on always. And my little eight-year-old self didn't have to figure out the world. Um, still, though, 
there is a way that seems right to man, but to God is folly. And so I um, took control of my life and had a plan for it. So I was going to go to school. I was going to get a degree. I was going to work for two, maybe five years. Then maybe if God brought the right person, I would get married. Maybe. Because marriage doesn't always work out. People say they're going to love you and they leave. And it's bad. And so, you know, God lays foundational steps along the way to prepare your heart. And so I met my husband in high school. Um, I was dating someone else and proceeded to try to set him up with every good girlfriend I had because this guy is so great. You should date him. <laughs> um, and so uh, we, I just actually passed by the high school in Park Hill um, where I finally figured out that I might want to date him because he... <laughs> We were in a volleyball tournament, and I went in for a dig and scraped my knee on a hardwood floor just like this, and he brought over some water and sprinkled it on and blew on my leg, and I was like, mm, okay, you're, we're all done here. Thank you. You're, it's not this kind of party. Um, so then I promptly broke up with my boyfriend. Also before this, you should know that that wonderful youth pastor who said, what are you expecting from God, said, why are you dating this guy? Are you going to marry him? What? Marry? I'm 17. Like... Marriage is at least 10, maybe more years away. Um, but it sort of sat there as a little nugget. So how do, how do you hear from God? Also, I hear over time. <laughs> um, and so fast forward a little bit. Um, we, we start dating in our graduating year, and we go off to Trent University. And we end up put in the same residence. And residence for us meant a townhouse of six people. Okay, so God, we left this for you um, to put us where you wanted us, and I think you messed it up, because I just started dating him, and there's a very good chance we're going to break up, and then we're stuck in a house where there's only like four steps separating his room from mine, and I, this is a bad idea. So then I... My little controlling self goes, we need to go talk to the dean of admissions or whomever handles housing. And so we do. And she says, yeah, no, sorry. You, this is where you are. And we can make a change, but probably not till at least a month into school. And my husband's parents, by the way, he comes from a lovely, devout missionary family. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to think that this little screwed up girl from the messed up family is here to mess up their son's life. They were so gracious and good. I think maybe they saw God in it when I didn't. But really, it was the greatest blessing. I'm not sure I would have survived first year university if Daniel wasn't right there. It was hard for the both of us to leave home. We came from a very close-knit church community. Um, Our youth group was vibrant and wonderful. And um, when I was sort of having a low day, he was up and could pray and and help me see through to uh, better possibilities. And when I was up and he was down, then I could do that for him. They put us in a home, so they said they matched us according to our profiles that we filled out. And so we lived with a self-proclaimed witch. We lived with a boy who sold drugs out of our townhouse. <laughs> We lived with an atheist um, who uh, said that she didn't smoke because her mom was watching her fill out the paperwork, but in fact she did. Um, And we lived with a girl who um, wanted to start a Bible study with me, but then went quite off the rails. And I was like, okay, God, you're really funny. Um, This is interesting that you brought us 
together. Um, but really, it was one of those times when we really had to dig in and find um, where God was in the midst of that and really rely on him. And then fast forward partway through university, I say to my husband, because I've been very clear with him what my long-range plan is, five years after I graduate, maybe, maybe we'll get married. Um, and so then we were just out one day and I said, you know what? I could marry you sooner. I feel like that's okay. I feel like God has, has sort of changed my heart. Literally, he already owns a ring. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Really? You already knew? Um, and so then he proposes shortly after. This story is my favorite story. And probably if you've ever been a co-group, you've heard this story. Because it epitomizes who God is and who I am and how he knows who I am. So I've given Daniel this idea that we could get married sooner. And so then he tells me he wants to take me out. And he shows up with roses. And I'm thinking, mm, that's not normal. He takes my picture. Definitely not normal. Um, we go to a beautiful, very expensive restaurant, 100% not normal for students in university. And I start panicking. I'm like, oh, why did I say those words out loud? I'm not actually, I didn't mean like today. Um, and so I look and all of the windows in the restaurant are full of happy couples. So I, fleetingly in my moments of panic, because God knows who I am, say, okay, God, if you want me to marry this guy, we'll get seated near a window. We're going to get one of these window seats. So in the time it takes us to park the car and get into the building, lo and behold, here you go, Mr. Nordum. Here's a lovely seat by the window. Me being me go, that's not what I prayed. I prayed we would not sit near a window. Yes, that's what I prayed because I am so not ready for this. I need a way out. I prayed we would not sit near a window. Excuse me, Mr. Nordum. There's been a mistake. This is not your seat. <laughs> Are you kidding me? She takes us to a room where there are no windows in the whole place and sits us promptly in the center of it. And I just go, okay, God, okay, I get it. You're, you're good. And so then he uh, keeps me on a string. He's like, can I have your hand? Here's a piece of gum. Oh. So is he not going to ask me now? Was this all just so that I could know it's okay? In the end, he proposes, and it's lovely. But I just say all that to say... Even though I accepted the Lord when I'm eight, I still like to control things. I still have to be reminded that he's in control, that his ways are better than my ways. His plans are better than my ways. Um, and so, but he also knows me. He made me. And he, sometimes I get down and I'm like, oh, why can't I be more like, nope, you are made well on purpose for a purpose. And I love who you are. And so I love, I, I think we all sort of talked about being in the word, but Spending time in the word is so important because that is the truth. And the truth needs to take root in our hearts and lives. So in those moments when we're saying, okay, God, should I move to Toronto? Should I marry this man? Should we have kids now? Should we change our, our jobs or our homes? In those moments, God wants to speak to us. But if we know his truth, if we know his words, and they are quick to our mind and our heart, we hear those words more quickly and more easily than my time with the billboard in the field. And so um, I just think that God is so good in a, in a spending time in his word that prepares our heart for what else he wants to say.
also feel like we forget how funny God is. <laughs> it's like we think that he's like so serious all the time, but you know, it says like the kingdom is made up of, I think joy, I forget love, peace, like a third of the kingdom is joy. So of course he's up in heaven laughing. Um, <laughs> I think for me, um, God spoke to me very clearly when I gave my life back to the Lord. And he said, um, what you practice in your single life is what you're going to perform in your married life. And I had this like, misconception that once I got married, um, everything would fall into place, right? My finances, um, I wouldn't struggle with certain things. And specifically, I know, (laughs) I'm not married, but I'm sure that's not true at all. And so God really said, like, your finances, I want you to submit them to me. And I grew up in the church, so I'd always seen, like, my parents tithe. And um, so I kind of like knew what it was about and God really spoke to me clearly that um, I want you to be a good steward of what you have. And I feel like we get into this misconception where um, we want to be a good steward once we have what we want. So once I have the job that I want, then I'm going to be a good steward of it. I'm going to go in early and stay late and, and be a good employee. But, you know, this cash register job, it's not my dream job, so I'm not really you know? And so he said, no, like you need to be a good steward of what you have. And so I'm an accountant, so no problem to make a budget. So I got into Excel, made a budget. And just like the first expense line I did was tithe. And I just knew right away, like 10%, like there's no question about it. That's biblical. I'm going to be obedient. And then God really stretched me and he said, I want you to give another percent giving on top of that. And I'm not saying that everyone has to do this, but just for me, he spoke to me and I had been reading the New Testament and so many just verses about giving to like the less fortunate and the needy. And so I said, okay, God, like I'm going to do this percent giving. And um, within a year, and again, I'm just saying this so God gets all the glory, I was able to pay off all my OSAP debt. I was able to pay off a car that I didn't even have anymore. I still owed money on a car that I didn't even have. I paid off my new car that I'd bought when I'd planned to pay it off in five to seven years. I just said, no, I want to be debt-free. And I mean, I grew up in like a a Pentecostal church and (laughs) they always threw around the term miracle money, right? And I'm like, well, money comes from somewhere. That's money doesn't just show up in your account. And I literally had money show show up in my account that I didn't know where it was from till I had to like text a few people and find out that so-and-so transferred, you know, X amount of dollars to me because they didn't need it for school. And Um, I was consistently overpaid. I have like a second part-time job at the university and my paychecks were always more than the hours that I worked. And I would text the professor being like, hey, like, (laughs) think you overpaid me here. And she'd be like, no, I just wanted to like bless you and honor you. And so it was in me surrendering that area to the Lord where I had such a me, me, me mentality. It was all like, what can I buy for me? What can I do for me? Um, just giving that over to the Lord. And, you know, I didn't give before, but now suddenly I give and I have so much excess. And it's just such a testimony to the like upwards down kingdom of God, how he can do so much more with a little than we can do with 100% of our income. And I just really believe that um, when you do things in obedience, that that's covered in grace. 
And so I just really feel like that was a testimony in my own life of giving God my finances that he really just um, came through for me. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I think, um, you know, committing our actions to God, sometimes that looks like baby steps along the way, right? And it's just taking those little steps and trusting God in that. But I think it gets a little easier along the way because we are able to look back and see how God has worked, right? And it just builds our faith even stronger. We can get, walk in um, just that confidence, knowing that God is, he has taken care of us and he will continue. And sometimes that's really scary and unknown, but it's incredible. Yeah, it's, I love hearing each of your testimonies in that. It's awesome. Okay, final question. Um, Rhonda, maybe we'll start with you this time. What lessons have you learned about following God's leading that you wished you had learned earlier? Um, <clears throat> so I actually asked my husband this question because I was like, are my answers about this any good? Um, so a couple of things. One um, is a big one, that walking in God's plan is not always easy. So when he says, follow me and your plans will succeed, that doesn't mean everything is going to be good. Um, it will often be hard. The Bible promises us that we will have challenges. Um, and so still, I think I'm finally getting better. Um, I'm going to turn 50 next month. I don't mind to share how old I am. <laughs> um, but I think I finally am good to go to the Lord first before being shocked, going, wait, why is this happening? Um, and to assume that because something is difficult or hard, that I must have gone awry somewhere or missed God's speaking sometimes. Um, and so the best one to describe that sort of is maybe um, being a parent. <clears throat> and so God has been so good and given me, before you think that God loves me more because I've had these great signs and wonders, it's a lifetime of looking back going, and there was God, and that was God. Um, and so him just knowing that maybe in those moments I actually needed a burning bush um, moment. Um, but being a mom is the greatest privilege of my life. I adore my children. I have four of them. Um, they're all unique and beautiful and just have so many giftings. And raising them was super easy um, when I controlled everything. And I decided what their world looked like and who they would be friends with and where we would go and what we would do. And as they came to find their own independence, being a mom became, sorry, Lee, <laughs> became hard. Um, mostly because sometimes they would make choices that I knew were going to be bad for them. And so when they were little and I'd say, no, no, you have to eat your vegetables first. We can have dessert second. Um, they just did that because I was the mom. But when they're independent, and I distinctly remember one of my children saying, just let me make the mistakes. You hear yourself say that and want me to be okay with it. How? And <clears throat> so the second lesson <clears throat> sorry, that I learned is to remember that when we're fighting um, things in this earth that are challenging and hard, we're not fighting against the people. So sometimes in those situations, I would actually be fighting with one of my children. No, you're not doing that. Yes, I am doing that. No, you're not doing that. Yes, I, who owns this house? You are not doing that. Um, and, and realizing that 
we got to a point where I was just like, okay, God, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to do this, though. You trusted me, these people. I feel like I'm screwing them up. We were really good for a long run. Does that count for anything? Because I, I literally don't know how to do this. And I would be on my knees. I would be searching the scripture. And then there came a moment where the Lord, first of all, said to specifically about one of my children, you will not be the person who leads her to me. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Because in that, you said she will be brought back to you, though. Okay. It does not need to be me. And I need to let go of that and stop trying to push you, push me into it. It will not be me. Okay. Also, you're not fighting against these small, beautiful people. You're fighting against an enemy who wants their souls. And he will not have them. And so it totally altered my perspective of, and this is maybe the third lesson that Daniel sort of said, also the striving. I don't have to work so hard, right? God says that his burden is light, right? That I, I don't need to make it all work. He has got it. And when I walk in his ways, he is strength when I am weak. He is wisdom when I know nothing. And so I needed to let go and let God and realize that I can be on my knees, not against or plotting for my children, but against an enemy who would see them dead. Um. I think for me, like, there's probably a few different takeaways from this verse or things that I wish I'd, I had known earlier, but just put simply, for me, it would be just submit the how to God. And what I mean by that is I feel like so many times we have different things that we're praying about or different things that we're contending for or wanting God to move in our life. And we have a preconceived notion about how God is going to move. And so... It's obviously a biblical principle to come to the Lord with expectation, right? He wants us to come with expectation. But I feel like there's been some areas in my life where I've come with expectation, but I've also come with this, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you, so I know you're going to move this way. Or because I'm praying for this, I know that you're going to do that. And every time he has just like destroyed this preconceived notion about how things um, are going to go and it's just go back to Isaiah 55, like his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so I've just really had to surrender the how to the Lord and kind of what you were saying with leading someone to the Lord. It might not be you who's going to bring them to the Lord. It could be someone else, but that doesn't mean that God's not going to move. He just might move in a different way than you would expect. And if we're if we get so caught up in how we think God's going to move in this area, we actually can miss what he's doing in other areas. So that's just something that <laughs> I've had to learn the hard way over the past few years and I'm still walking through is just having that open hand of how God is going to move once you um, really commit and submit your ways to him. Yeah, I was similar. And also I'm thinking... One thing I, uh, I don't want to use the word regret, but <laughs> that I, sh I, I look back that I didn't do was its consistency in that um, the times where I would really spend time with him and in, especially worship and Psalms were, were my always go-to even when I was first born again and um, spend that time with him 
then things would be clear. But when I let that fall, I let things, you know, life and things kind of push that out. And uh, that was one thing I look back that uh, you don't want to let go of. You don't want to get into even serving, which, yeah, you, you, you just work, 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 and all the works, but you don't have that time with the Lord. And then the second one um, was overriding to what you do here and uh, hear the inward witness. And I would allow people, uh, I get to push me, like, you know, why? And what can you explain? And when I couldn't explain, I'd override it and get into trouble, <laughs> bad decisions financially and that. And I, you go back and go, oh, I did know. You know, you go back and you go, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You know how you say that so many times? Because you override it. And uh, so a lot of times it's better just to say, I, maybe I don't know why or wherefore, but I just don't, I'm not going to move on that. I'm not going to do anything. And I'm just going to just, you know, if other people are pressuring you. So I've given in to pressure. So I, I, that was one thing I learned I shouldn't do and really stand um, on what you, you sense inside, which is really important. So I think the one is... Uh, the consistency in, in spending the time with the Lord and worship him. I, I can't tell you the details, but I have seen miraculous things happen in worshiping God. I mean, stories that are amazing because I just worshiped and um, it's so cool. And then though, you get busy. And the other, okay, there is a third one. <laughs> I'm thinking one, two, three, right? Uh, the, other, the other was relax. Uh, because God would, he'll show me, or, you know, I know what to do, the plan, but then I think I have to execute it. Or I get into it, like I, I get, uh, like, maybe anxious or things, or just I got to work it out when I don't need to work it out. So the other one's relax. As Philippians 4, rejoice and cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. Like, just relax, you know, it's, it's okay. Yeah, when I saw the question, you know, the first thing that came to mind was you always have the regrets of missing something or whatever, and what you would have done if you knew what you knew today. And I kind of thought about it, and I remembered a, a gentleman. Um, I was going to help him do some work, and I was, I normally go one way all the way home, and I took a different route. And uh, I said, oh, it was by chance I seen you guys already working here today. And he says, no, there's no such thing as chance. God made you take the wrong turn. That popped in my head. And uh, so when, I, when you look back at your life, you got to really think about, if I knew today what I knew then, things would be different. Then you would be different today than who you are. And as what you went through life, your struggles, your highs, your lows, saying the wrong thing, um, whether you meant it to be right, you said it in the wrong tone, they took it wrong, everything is done for a purpose. And it's really hard when you've done something bad to somebody to think God allowed you to do that. And then you start beating yourself up. And for me... The one thing I kind of wish I knew better years back would be prayer. 
Um, we're always told, read your Bible, be in the Word with God, and you'll hear from Him. But if you don't talk to Him, whatever's going on in your life, if it's a great thing, praise Him. Say, thank you, God. Like, what, why? Like, what am I... What are we going to gain out of this? What do, how are we going to glorify you? Um, in your lows, Lord, why are you allowing this? Speak to me, help me, show me. Um, and my wife and I, we went through a pretty rough time two years ago through COVID. Our life was upside down. And uh, we learned about prayer. And uh, it's really neat when you're praying and it's answered. We were church shopping, um, church hopping, however you want to look at it, <laughs> trying to find a new home that we can call home, the people we go to church with, family. And uh, I had a list of things I was praying for, I was looking for. And the first time we were here, Tyler literally hit everything I was praying for, what I was looking for, what I needed. And then we were in the prayer team, we were in the room praying, and I prayed for a stranger to walk in the building. I headed out to grab a drink of water, and this lady walks up. I've never been here. Um, all right, God. Cool. She was only coming in for soccer, but because they used to have kids soccer and stuff here. And so I dragged her to my wife and she talked to her and, and she's thinking about coming here. That was the last we seen her, but it's still that seed. You don't know. Like, so when you pray, and that's the other thing is too, is you got to be watchful and be ready because I missed a perfect opportunity and I still beat myself up to it. And it's probably a good 10 years ago. I had a gentleman, we were in Tim Hortons. I was in a hurry trying to get to a job. And he goes, what's this Christmas about? And I literally walked out, had the perfect opportunity to tell him what Christmas is all about. He was new to the country. Um, so it's, you need to be praying and ready to act. And I think that's the biggest thing I, I regret is I'm never, I was never ready to act when God was speaking. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we can all relate to those experiences, right? Where we've missed the mark, we've, we've sensed God asking us to do something and it's, it can be hard to step into those moments sometimes, but I think it's what we learn through those experiences and, and knowing next time, like, I'm gonna be prepared, I'm gonna do it, you know, and there's grace in, in that too. Um, yeah, well, I... That's all of our questions for today. So thank you so much for each of you. Um, I think for everyone here, even just what you were saying, Kevin, for each of us to reflect on these questions, you know, sometimes we come in and we kind of take in what other people are saying, but to actually reflect in our own lives, these questions and what they mean to us. Um, Again, being ready if people are asking us questions like this to be able to respond. Um, yeah, so I just wanna thank each of you for saying yes and being here and just sharing so openly and so vulnerably. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, give them a round of applause, yeah.
you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.